This Family Life News Podcast is made possible by the support of listeners like you. It's the Noon Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Good afternoon, happy Friday, and welcome to the broadcast. Mr. Speaker, the President of the United States. President Biden delivered a sharply partisan, in-your-face State of the Union address last night to a joint session of Congress. I will not bow down. A feisty and combative Mr. Biden touched on topics popular with Democrats, abortion rights, threats to democracy, and January 6th. Some of you here seek to bury the truth about January 6th. You can't love your country only when you win. He accused his predecessor of bowing to Russia and scolded members of the Supreme Court for overturning Roe v. Wade. Alabama Senator Katie Britt delivered the GOP response. Our commander-in-chief is not in command. The free world deserves better than a dithering and diminished leader. But the president's supporters gave him high marks for his performance last night. He came out with both proverbial barrels blazing. He put his chest out to those Republicans. He ain't scared of the Republicans. Members of his party, they wanted him to be a fighter. I've never brought that much energy to the 10 p.m. hour. <laughs> House Speaker Mike Johnson says the issue Americans care about the most got mentioned the least last night. The border, right? That's the number one issue in America. That's what every American, no matter where they live, wants to hear about. How is this catastrophe going to be resolved? I think it was 41 minutes into his speech before the commander-in-chief even made any reference to the border. One of the more memorable moments last night had to do with the border. The president held up a pin of murdered Alabama nursing student Lakin Riley, whose accused killer entered this country illegally. To her parents, I say, my heart goes out to you having lost children myself. I understand. Also last night, a gold star father whose son was killed during our botched withdrawal from Afghanistan was arrested in the visitor's gallery for interrupting the president's speech. Donald Trump called the president's speech hate-filled and polarizing. Joe Biden is on the run from his record and lying like crazy to try and escape accountability for the horrific devastation he and his party have created all the while they continue the very policy that are causing this horror show. It's time to tell Crooked Joe Biden you're fired. Speaking of being fired, the February jobs report went public today. Unemployment in America last month rose two-tenths of a percent. It is currently 3.9%. That's the bad news. Here's the good. 275,000 jobs were created last month, more than what economists were predicting. A bill that could lead to a tick TikTok ban is gaining momentum in Congress, and users are lashing out. Here's reporter Stacey Lynn. TikTok has urged users to call their representatives to express how they feel, and lawmakers have been inundated, so much so that Representative Ashley Hinson is responding to the calls herself, explaining what the bill does. It actually just would require TikTok to cut ties with the Chinese Communist Party. They're trying to use your information and your data, and that's what they're doing. Just think of it like they're spying on you by using that app. If the new bill passes, 
it would make it illegal to distribute apps developed by TikTok parent company ByteDance. Half of all Americans use TikTok on a daily basis. Congress is concerned the China connection poses a national security risk. Another U.S. soldier with top military clearance is accused of selling secrets to China. Prosecutors say this guy, Army Intelligence Officer Corbin Schultz, spent a year selling intelligence to the communist regime. According to the 25-page indictment, Schultz received 14 payments totaling $42,000 from a Chinese agent for handing over sensitive technical data and tactical information about the F-22 stealth fighter, the Army's newest combat rescue helicopter, and intercontinental ballistic missiles. Correspondent David Martin at the Pentagon today, Corbin Schultz making his first court appearance today. In Uvalde, Texas... How dare you? My son's birthday is on Tuesday at the cemetery. Parents are angry about a new report that clears police of wrongdoing during the deadly shooting spree at the Robb Elementary School on May 24th, 2022. That massacre left 19 children and two adults dead. How do you go to bed at night? Parents were outraged, saying the officers put their safety first. They stood there 77 minutes and waited. After they got call after call, the kids were still alive in there. The Uvalde police internal investigation is ongoing, but none of the roughly two dozen officers that responded have been terminated. Omar Villafranca reporting. Downed power lines are what ignited the largest wildfire in Texas history. Utility provider XL Energy admits equipment failure is what sparked those massive blazes in the Texas panhandle that killed at least two. Another bump on the runway at Boeing. Literally. There's a tire going down the runway. Uh, we had to close the runway so somebody lost the tire. A United flight lost a tire on takeoff in San Francisco yesterday. That flight was forced to make an emergency landing in Los Angeles. Jonathan Vigliotti is on the story. No one was hurt, but the wheel that plummeted to the ground did extensive damage to at least two cars in an employee parking lot. The aircraft is built with six tires on each of its two main landing struts. And United says it is designed to land safely with missing or damaged tires. Boeing's been under investigation ever since January when an Alaskan Airlines jet lost a door mid-flight. Hope it was worth it. Some fans who suffered frostbite in Kansas City in January may need amputations. 70% of people who got frostbite in the below zero temperatures are now being told to schedule amputation procedures. Many of those were fans who attended the playoff game between the Miami Dolphins and Kansas City Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium. The temperature was negative four at kickoff with a wind chill of negative 27 degrees. Correspondent Michael Kastner says 10 to 20 fans at that game have already scheduled amputation surgeries. Still to come on the noon report, gambling addiction by the numbers. Almost time to spring forward and bear attack in Butler. Good afternoon. I'm Kevin Williams. A pretty nice day underway today, but the weekend, not so much. We'll have the complete weather forecast coming up in about 10 minutes. All right, Kevin, thank you. News where you live next. The manslaughter trial of a New York state trooper continues in Buffalo. New York's attorney general is investigating whether trooper Anthony Nigro acted recklessly in a February 22 high-speed chase that resulted in a death. WGRZ's Rob Hackford. Prosecutors from the New York state attorney general 
General's Office called Trooper Nigro's actions unnecessary. The trooper's defense team says he acted because lives were at risk, and now an Erie County judge will decide guilt. The indictment alleges that Trooper Nigro shot and killed James Huber after a high-speed chase that started near Dunkirk and ended on the streets of Buffalo. That trial is expected to last 10 days. New York has opened a new bureau to address problem gambling. The new Problem Gambling Bureau will coordinate the efforts of the state's Office of Addiction Services. New York is also doing a series of new surveys to monitor gambling behavior as online gambling and sports betting becomes more popular. It's estimated that 5% of all adults in New York have a gambling addiction problem. One out of every teenagers also struggle with gambling addiction. There are no serious injuries from a school bus crash in Greece, New York, Thursday afternoon. People trapped. It's going to be a school bus rollover. They had to cut off the driver out of one vehicle. What a scene that was near Rochester. Multiple vehicles involved in the wreck just just before 3 p.m. at the intersection of North Greece and Peck Roads. Wham! News reporter Daniel Finkelstein has more. Officials say the five people on board, two Greece high school students, two aides, and the driver were injured, but not severely. The driver of the original striking vehicle, an elderly man, also taken to the hospital for minor injuries. The two drivers of the other vehicles were not injured. Firefighters, EMTs, and police officers responding from multiple towns across the Rochester area. 400 high school students from the Elmira Corning area attended the annual Twin Tiers Regional Job Fair yesterday in Chemung County. It's for kids who are going directly into the workforce after they graduate high school. These Elmira seniors explain why they attended that job fair. It kind of helped me narrow down what I might want to do. Um, I haven't found a career yet, but I feel like I'm one step closer to getting there. I've seen a lot of different careers. I think that's the biggest positive and that's why we're here. Really, I just kind of explored my options out there for after graduation and after college. There's a bunch of people out here looking for jobs, different kind of jobs, and I think it's a perfect place for people to get jobs and look for jobs. More than 90 employers, some offering jobs of up to 35 bucks an hour met with the students. Those jobs ranged from law enforcement to health care, the military construction, and manufacturing. Now to Harrisburg. Three weeks of budget hearings have wrapped up in both the State House and Senate. Governor Shapiro is pushing for dramatic spending increases in education, economic development, and public transit. Republicans fear that will likely result in tax increases down the road. Former New York Congressman George Santos, remember him? Well, he's running for Congress again. Santos made the surprise announcement during President Biden's State of the Union address, writing on X that he'll challenge Nick LaLota for his congressional seat on Long Island. Santos is switching districts to run against LaLota, whom he called a rhino or Republican in name only. He's already filed with the FEC. Santos, who was expelled from Congress last December, is facing a September trial if he doesn't accept a plea deal first on 23 federal charges, including fraud, misusing campaign funds, and lying about his finances. Sarah Lee Kessler, New York. The Pennsylvania
Pennsylvania Senate Ethics Committee will not investigate state senator and former gubernatorial candidate Doug Mastriano. Democrats called into question Mastriano's alleged ties to the January 6th Capitol attack. The FBI has already cleared Mastriano of any wrongdoing. A Pennsylvania woman who was attacked by a bear this week says it's a miracle she survived. Listen to this from Family Life's Brian Query. Leanne Galante of Butler, Pennsylvania was outside at home alone when her dog started causing a commotion. She quickly noticed a black bear jumping over her fence. The bear charged at Galante, knocking her face first into the concrete. She and her dog managed to get inside before being rushed again. Galante sustained injuries to her arm, face, neck, and head. She received a dozen staples for her injuries. After the attack, the mother bear and three cubs were found in a nearby tree. The female black bear that attacked Galante continued its aggression and was euthanized. Brian Query, Family Life News. Thank you, Brian. It's almost time to spring forward. Daylight saving time begins Sunday, 2 a.m. That means you need to set your clocks ahead one hour before you go to bed Saturday night. Don't forget, while you're doing that, you should also change the batteries in your smoke detectors. Well, here's a sign it's almost spring. The Maid of the Mist is opening early this year due to the unusually mild winter. Daily tours of the majestic Niagara Falls will start Thursday, April 4th. First thing in the morning is typically the best time to uh, see the shortest line. Made of the Mist spokesman Kevin Keenan says tours depart every half hour, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Weekend hours are 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. These all-electric vessels are totally quiet because they have motors and not engines. There's no vibration. There's no diesel fumes. And it really allows our guests to experience Niagara Falls the way it was meant to be experienced. Those Made of the Mist boat tours have been offering majestic views of the falls since 1885. You're listening to the Noon Report, a Friday edition on the Family Life Radio Network. Check in sports. The Buffalo Sabres fell for the third straight game last night, a 4-2 loss to the Predators in Nashville. With the loss, Buffalo drops to below 500 on the season. The Sabres were 0-3 on power plays, 1-3 on the penalty kill. Buffalo hopes to rebound Saturday as they host the Edmonton Oilers. Also on the ice, the Pittsburgh Penguins get blown out at home by Washington. 6-0 your final. The Pens in seventh place in the Metro Division. They visit Boston tomorrow. Let's talk NBA. Jason Tatum off the mark. The Celtics fell to the Nuggets in Denver in a battle of what many believe are the best two teams in the league this year. Boston star missed a wide-open three with 45 seconds to go. It would have given the Celtics the lead. Instead, they fall to Denver 115-109. to In Indy, the T-Wolves' Anthony Edwards made a game-saving block to carry Minnesota across the finish line against the Pacers on the road. That tremendous defensive effort, giving the Wolves a two-point victory over Indiana. Oh, by the way, Edwards also dropped in 44 points to help the cause. The Brooklyn Nets lose to the lowly Pistons, 118-112, to your final. Brooklyn fall into fourth in the Atlantic Division. Detroit finally breaks into double digits with wins this year. College basketball doesn't get much better than this. Duke versus North Carolina tomorrow at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Saturday's showdown is shaping up as an epic clash with an ACC regular season title on the line. Duke hoping for a little revenge after losing to the Tar Heels back on 
February 3rd. Finally, from the NFL, the Pittsburgh Steelers have changed their tune about acquiring a veteran quarterback. The Post-Gazette reporting today the team is planning to meet with Russell Wilson next week. The 35-year-old Wilson is shopping for a new team this season. After a disappointing couple of seasons in Denver, he spent 10 years in Seattle guiding the Seahawks to a Super Bowl title in 2014. At the Family Life Sports Desk, I'm Bob Price. And still to come on the Noon Report, the Capital Connection crew sounds off on recreational marijuana, the most hated food in America, and Kev's calling for snow as we spring forward this weekend. His forecast is yours in four minutes. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Earlier this week, internal files were leaked from the World Professional Association of Transgender Health, otherwise known as WPATH, the leading medical association that pushes for the chemical and surgical gender transitioning of minors. These were made public by journalist and thought leader Michael Schellenberger on X and Substack. For years now, clinical, political, and pop culture activists have been citing WPATH as an authoritative source to claim that the science is settled on so-called gender-affirming care and that social, chemical, and surgical transitioning interventions are safe, reversible, and life-saving. WPATH leaders have even claimed that young children and minors with autism can meaningfully consent to such care. However, the leaked WPATH files reveal a different, far more damning story. Far from being settled science, so-called transitioning efforts can lead to painful complications, regret, even life-threatening conditions like cancer, especially for vulnerable populations. And even more, the leaked files reveal that WPATH personnel knew all of this and yet continued to actively mislead patients and the public. For example, one WPATH doctor shared with colleagues about a 16-year-old female patient of his who was, quote, found to have two cancerous liver masses and that the oncologist and the surgeon both had indicated that the likely offending agents were the hormones. And despite knowing that the hormonal interventions were the cause of cancer in this minor, the same doctor was, and I quote again, prepared to support the patient in any way we can, including top surgery when medically stable, etc. Another doctor confirmed they also knew of a patient who developed liver cancer after taking testosterone for eight to ten years. Quote, to the best of my knowledge, he said, it was linked to his hormone treatment. It was so advanced he opted for palliative care and died a couple of months later. End quote. Also, doctors cited in these documents clearly knew about complications with sexual functions and those that were quote-unquote being treated, conditions that included pelvic inflammatory disease, pelvic floor dysfunction, and pain during any kind of arousal or intercourse. Other doctors saw no issues whatsoever continuing their so-called treatments with those that showed serious mental health issues. According to one WPATH member, and I quote again, the mere presence of psychiatric illness should not block a person's ability to start hormones. And another, quote, referred for genital surgery people that were diagnosed with major depressive disorder, CPTSD, and those who are homeless, end quote. Perhaps most troubling of all, WPATH clinicians are quoted openly here, admitting that the minors they treat do not fully understand what's at stake when it comes to these so-called transitioning treatments, including the kind of permanent damage that would result to their ability to have children in the future. One Canadian endocrinologist, Dr. Daniel Metzger, admitted this, quote, We're often explaining these sorts of things to people who haven't even had biology in high school yet. It's always a good theory that you talk about fertility preservation with a 14-year-old, but I know I'm talking to 
a blank wall. They'd be like, ooh, kids, babies, gross. Most of the kids are nowhere in any kind of a brain space to really talk about fertility preservation in a serious way. End quote. Ultimately, these leaked documents confirm that so-called gender-affirming care is a pseudoscience that's built on an unproven ideology that endangers the most vulnerable, especially children. Even worse, the documents reveal that WPATH and its gender activist allies are neither ignorant nor simply ideological about all of this. They've intentionally deceived the public while destroying the bodies of young people. Hopefully, exposing all of these atrocities will be a first step and bringing an end to this nightmare. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. Today's Breakpoint was co-authored by Jared Hayden. And for more resources to live like a Christian today, go to breakpoint.org. Thank you, John. Outside next, Kevin Williams. Here is your family life weather forecast. Our call for this afternoon, partly sunny and mild. Pleasant. High temps, 50s to near 60. Increasingly cloudy, increasingly breezy tonight. Showers will arrive across northwest Pennsylvania and western New York overnight. Low temps, mid-30s to mid-40s. Cloudy, windy tomorrow with rain at times. High temps, mid-40s to mid-50s. And then on Sunday, cloudy, windy, colder, rain and snow. Temperatures falling in the 30s. We've got some snow accumulations coming later Sunday and Sunday night, particularly over higher elevations of western and central. All right, Kevin, thank you. It's Friday, folks. Congratulations, you made it. You're listening to the Noon Report on Family Life. Welcome back to another edition of Capital Connection. Fridays during the Noon Report, we give you direct connection to what's happening in Albany and Harrisburg with the experts on the issues at the state capitals. They are this week Jason McGuire at New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms and Dan Barkowiak at the Pennsylvania Family Institute. Well, gentlemen, much to discuss. Dan, I'll start with you. Big uh, news on the political front this week, obviously, with the departure of Nikki Haley from the GOP presidential race. That pits uh, Trump-Biden the sequel, I guess. If you like the movie the first time around, here we go again. How is this going to affect the dynamics of your state's presidential primary next month? Well, I think, you know, we should always be motivated to vote in every election primary general and with our primary coming up April 23rd. Uh, but certainly announcement uh, by Nikki Haley, it might take some wind out of the sails. For, for Republicans to show up. Uh, it was a reason why lawmakers here were trying to move up the primaries. But again, I think every election is important. There's many races down ballot that have some primary challengers that we should be weighing in on. Jason, former Governor Cuomo making news this week. He's been subpoenaed by the House Select Committee on the coronavirus pandemic to testify in May about COVID deaths at nursing homes. How much blame does the ex-governor deserve for that tragedy amongst many tragedies when you think back to the pandemic? Well, to be blunt, quite a bit of it. I realize COVID was a serious thing that led to a lot of deaths, but the policies that the Empire State implemented while the governor was writing his book contributed to these deaths. And I think that is a factor that Congress is right to take a look at. We cannot allow this to ever happen again. Dan, how realistic is it to assume that Pennsylvania will join the growing list of states that have legalized recreational marijuana? I know that's big on Josh Shapiro's do list this year? Well, I think we, we certainly know harm 
harm is caused by a retail recreational use market. And so I think the reality here is the ability in Pennsylvania to stop this harmful policy. The proposal has to go through your state representative, your state senator. You know, many of those do understand the harms of marijuana use, how legalization makes it worse. And so you bring up Josh Shapiro, certainly it's his agenda to see marijuana here in our state. And I think many should be voicing their concerns to stop the state from attempting to generate revenue from more addictive use of this addictive drug. And, you know, you hear jokes about, you know, with legalization, the only thing at risk is potato chips, you know, saying it's about the munchies. And it's just not a joke. You know, high potency marijuana, it's causing more harm. The misinformation is certainly there in Harrisburg, and we need to make sure our voices are being heard about the facts and about the harms of marijuana. Well, Jason, if I had a buck for every misstep on the recreational marijuana rollout in New York there was, I'd be a millionaire right now, regardless of how you feel about this. Everybody seems to be in agreement that it has been a disastrous rollout. How did the wheels fall off that bus so quickly in New York? Well, the wheels fell off because it was built on the shaky foundation to begin with. I mean, this was passed as a matter of racial justice, which really had nothing to do with that. It was all about revenue for the state. There are libertarian people who argue we should have decriminalized marijuana, but the state did not do that. The state is incentivizing marijuana use. They are getting tax revenue they are drawing from this. And evidence of that is that it took almost three years before you could even legally grow a little marijuana at home. You had to buy it from the tax source that came through the state. Yeah, and to date, three years later, I think there's less than 100 licensed dealers and uh, thousands of illegal pot shops all over New York. So three years later, that's what we have to show for it. Dan, Governor Shapiro appointed an election threats task force for the 2024 election this year. Election threats task force. Uh, My question to you is, what will this task force be tasked with this year? Uh, Certainly election integrity is important. And what should be important, I would say, versus a new task force is having something like a voter ID bill. The changes that have happened with mail-in ballots, you know, I think one is just enforcing state law on those. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also even have a redesign of what the the mail-in ballots will look like here in the primary. So it's yet another change in that whole process. Yeah, I like those new color-coded mail-in ballots. Uh, It's kind of idiot-proof, the ballot process. We'll see if it works this year. Of course, if uh, you put the wrong date on it, we still don't know. That one's still in the courts. Jason, you have made parental rights and the sanctity of human life major themes for next week's Legislative Day, Day of Action event that's coming up on Tuesday. How are those two things under assault in New York? Well, let me start with the parental rights issue. There are a number of bills right now that are in the state legislature that really are direct violations of this, and we just believe that parents, not politicians, should be raising their kids. Add to that, in November, there's a ballot coming. Uh, It'll be on the November ballot that really would undermine parental rights across the state. We'll be educating people about that. And on the pro-life front, uh, we have assisted suicide that we continue to fight, and that is a pro-life issue. For those who've never attended a Legislative Day event, what can they expect on Tuesday? Well, first, come see your state capitol. We're going to train you in some talking points. We're going to educate you on the issues. We're going to help you to see where public policy is shaped and molded and how it comes to be in the state capitol. And we're going to give you an opportunity 
opportunity to go around that building and, and one, just uh, be in awe of it. It's a, it's a marvelous thing to be able to minister in that place every week. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also an opportunity for believers to have their voices heard on the issues that matter. I wanted to get both of your input on a, a really delicate topic and one that's been in the news a lot lately. Pro-lifers have conflicted views about this ruling by the Alabama Supreme Court on frozen embryos. Dan, I'll start with you. Can you explain the controversy a little bit? And uh, do you support how the court ruled here? And does life really begin at conception, even if it's in a Petri dish? I know I threw a lot at you there, but if you would. These are great questions, and our our community needs to talk about this more. It's certainly important to clarify about the Alabama case. Uh, It doesn't ban IVF. The ban is on destroying the unwanted embryos created from IVF. And certainly, yes, I believe if we understand that life begins at conception, which I firmly do, and, and the majority of biologists agree with that, then it certainly is a problem when you see, frankly, the majority of those embryos where a life is created, the majority are being discarded and not going through the full process. I'll point to a coworker of mine at, at Pennsylvania Family Institute, Alexis Sneller, uh, is an IVF baby herself. She offered some great insights on our latest blog post at pafamily.org hmm. that is talking more about this issue and the current structure of IVF and the many problems with that current structure. Jason, I want to ask you, since in vitro fertilization often does involve the destruction of these embryos, is this an ethical treatment for Christian couples who are trying to conceive to go this route? Well, I have a hard time seeing it ethical when you're engaging in IVF practices that destroy unused embryos. That's human life. There's a bill here in New York sponsored by Senator Jack Martins, and he says, well, if it's in a frozen embryo that's not implanted in a womb, it's not human. Your humanity is not determined by your location. No more than a senator ceases to be a senator just because he's not in the state capitol. Your humanity is determined by God. Uh, He has created human life, and we ought to treat it with great respect and dignity. Well said. Dan, what we're talking about, sanctity of human life issues, CVS and Walgreens are going to be selling the abortifacient Mithapristone this month in five states. Pennsylvania is one of them. You would need a prescription for this, but Mithapristone is a drug that many people say is downright dangerous, not just, of course, to the unborn child, but to the pregnant woman as well. Your reaction to this decision by these drug chains to do this? Yeah, I saw CBS Morning News cover that this week and essentially equating the abortion pill with miscarriage. And frankly, that's insulting to many women that have suffered a miscarriage. I think what's alarming here in our state, chemical abortions, they account for half of abortions in Pennsylvania. It's also complications from abortions have tripled in the last five years. So obviously something's going on with chemical abortions and more women are being harmed by mifepristone. Then finally, Jason, Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman has signed an executive order that protects girls and women's sports from the transgender movement. Tish James is trying to sue him to stop this from taking effect. Uh, What chances are there that New York can step in here and reverse this executive order? I am thankful for the county executive, Bruce Blakeman, that is standing up to really this insanity that is happening in female sports today. But I think that there are going to be challenges in some of the laws we currently have. I just hope the conversation is one that will override and will increase pressure on the legislature to do the right thing and save women's sports. All right, and with that, our time is up. But if you have any question about any topic discussed on today's program, I know the in vitro fertilization debate is a huge issue right now. Dan, you're writing about it on your website. Where can folks learn more? 
pafamily.org. And just a few more days left until Legislative Day 2024 at the New York State Capitol in Albany. Jason, I know you'll be there. If folks have questions about how they can be there, where should they go? NewYorkFamilies.org. gentlemen thank you very much capital connection comes your way every friday during the noon report or online anytime at familylife.org just look for the news tab on the podcast page good afternoon here is your family life regional weather forecast high pressure in southeastern canada producing a pleasant day today but low pressure missouri comes our way and it spells inclement weather this weekend with rain and wind tomorrow into tomorrow night Colder air with rain and snow Sunday and Sunday night. Our call for this afternoon, partly sunny and mild. Pleasant, high temps 50s to near 60. Increasingly cloudy, increasingly breezy tonight. Showers will arrive across northwest Pennsylvania and western New York overnight. Low temps, mid-30s to mid-40s. Cloudy, windy tomorrow with rain at times. High temps, mid-40s to mid-50s. Winds will be gusting at times past 40 miles an hour. And then on Sunday, cloudy, windy, colder, rain and snow. Temperatures falling in the 30s. We've got some snow accumulations coming later Sunday and Sunday night, particularly over higher elevations of western and central New York. All right, Kevin, thank you. Don't forget, folks, spring forward this weekend. Set those clocks ahead one hour. Finally, at noon, survey says there's one food more than any other that we as Americans collectively cannot stomach. Can you guess what it is? Correspondent Brie Tennis has the answer. Allrecipes.com says across this country, there's a general widespread loathing of one food in particular. According to a survey, they say half of all people in the U.S. hate anchovies. That includes Worcestershire sauce, which is made from anchovies. Their study also found 45% of us don't like black licorice, and 41% just say no to raw oysters. But the most loved food universally is pizza. I'm Brie Tennis. Hi, right, Brie. Thank you. And just like that, folks, we are out of time. That's the world we live in Friday, March the 8th. I'm Bob Price, Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report, heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to this Family Life News podcast. If you've been encouraged by what you've heard, please share it with others and click the subscribe button to automatically receive future episodes. Family Life is a listener-supported ministry. Podcasts like this are made possible by your financial partnership. Find out more at familylife.org.